The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you for joining us here on this morning and every morning if you do uh, if you do prefer to do so. And I know that you have a choice of where you get your sports news, information, entertainment, opinions, yada, yada. And I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show here from 7 to 9 each weekday here on ESPN Tucson. Also, the podcast will be available every day, usually within a, a few hours after I've signed off. Mary gets that uh, that uh, uh, podcast up there on all the places you can download your podcast from, whichever one, whichever service you uh, subscribe to or whichever one you like, you prefer to use. You can download the Jeff Dean Show right from there and listen at your leisure or just you know pick and choose what portions you want to listen to, which is also fine with me. Uh, I just appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, and uh, interacting with the show, you can always interact with me on Twitter at UAZ Voice. I'm not the most active person on Twitter. Um, it's just you know, it's just not something that I, to be honest with you, I just don't have a whole lot of time for tweeting and stuff all damn day long. I'd rather just gather the information and spew it out here in the two hours that I have to be able to speak with you guys, which is why I talk so damn much. But uh, we do have. Uh, we do have a lot to get into still here in hour number two. Specifically, we will switch gears to college basketball now. There were a couple upsets. Baylor loses last night, which definitely opens the door for Arizona securing and tightly securing that number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But now it opens up the south region for Arizona, which previously Baylor was expected to take a hold of. So if the south is now open and Arizona is able to take the one seed in the south – They'll get to play. They'll get to play in San Antonio in the regional if they make it past the first weekend, which is great. I mean, that's you know, instead of Chicago, uh, I think Arizona would would probably rather be in San Antonio than in Chicago. It's a, still a great market, but it's a great market for Wildcats. Uh, it's, there's a lot of alumni in San Antonio. There's some. I mean, there's plenty in Chicago too. Trust. There's Wildcat alumni everywhere. They, and regardless of where they are, they travel to get there. Uh, it'll just cost a lot less to travel to San Antonio than it will to travel to Chicago. So that's good news uh, for the Wildcats as well. So let's talk about the Wildcat game yesterday. Now, they take on Stanford. We, you know, we 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 kind of knew what to expect, right? Stanford. I mean, I said it yesterday. We, we know we're going to get out of Stanford. They're going to be physical. Now, what I did not expect from Stanford is to try and play our pace with us because. I think Jared Hass pretty much tried everything else this year, and it didn't work against Arizona. Got beat by 30 trying to play defense. Got beat by, what was it, 11 or 12 in Tucson in a game that they, everybody in that Stanford team thought, like, oh, we had him, we had him. You had a nine-point lead in the first half, and then Arizona outscored you by 26 the rest of the way or whatever it was, uh, whatever it ended up being. Okay, you you may have had Arizona down for a moment, but you certainly didn't have them out, and it wasn't like you got the game stolen away from you in the last minute. Uh, Arizona had a 15-point lead in that game, so let's not build ourselves up as having been that close to uh, to beating Arizona. Uh, yesterday, they were very close to beating Arizona, and it took a a great effort from a lot of the Wildcats <clears throat> in that uh, 
on that team yesterday to finally outlast the Cardinal 84 to 80 in the uh, in the round 2 of the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas. Now, Harrison Ingram has himself a pretty nice game, probably his best game maybe as a freshman uh for Stanford. I thought he played extremely well. And then Spencer Jones was just he was awesome. Uh you know, he, he Spencer Jones is a good player and we knew he's a good player, but yesterday he made he showed out 28 points career high for him. Uh he had a phenomenal game. Um Michael O'Connell, once again, hitting threes. He, he, he doesn't shoot threes against anybody but Arizona. I swear to God, that's the only team he shoots threes against, and he always knocks them down. He doesn't shoot threes against anybody else. He was 0 for 1 against Arizona State in their first-round matchup against Sun Devils. And uh, when they played ASU a week ago, he was I think he was 0 for 1 in that game, too. Uh, but against Arizona, he's like 3 for 3, 3 for 4, 4 for 5. Like, damn, dude, knock it off. Um, but Stanford, look, they tried to play with Arizona. They were, they were, they were up and down. They were, they were like, okay, we're going to try to do this. We're going to try to outscore them. And if they go on a run, we're going to stop it. And that's what, look, we knew that was going to happen. We knew Jared Haas was going to be calling a lot of timeouts. We knew he would eventually run out of timeouts because Arizona will go on a 5-0-6-0 run seven, eight times a game. I mean, that's just, that's just what Arizona does. And, uh, so he, you know, he was able to stop those from being 10, 11, 12, uh, point runs as he you know was had done in, in the game in Tucson. Um, it was a tough game. It was a tough game for Arizona, but it was a good. It was an eye opener for them. It says, look, you know, when when postseason comes around and teams are playing to survive to play another game, everything changes. And this is great experience. Last night was great experience for this Arizona basketball team. However, in the final minute of the game. Kirkisa goes jumping, running and jumping in through the lane, comes down on Christian Coloco's foot and rolled his ankle really hard. And he was screaming in pain. Look, it's a, it's a painful injury. You know, we've all been there before. We've all rolled our ankle like that, whether it's <laughs> jumping on a player's uh, foot or falling off a curb. Um, we've all rolled our ankle pretty hard, and it's, it's pretty damn painful. How quickly does it come back? How bad is the sprain? You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the situation here. The pictures being, you know, leaked yesterday of Kirk Kreese being wheeled around in a wheelchair with a boot on. People were freaking out, okay? Look, this is a situation where it's like, okay, put him in the boot. You, get, you, you put him in the boot to, to, you know, reduce the swelling and all this other stuff and you make sure that they stay off of it and there's no pressure being put on it um, so that you don't further injure it and things like that. But you just put him in the wheelchair just to keep him honest, right? Like, He's a 19-year-old kid. He's not going to want to be, uh, you know, following the rules, so to speak, like if he's got a pair of crutches on or, or whatever. He's going to be putting pressure on that foot. That's just what, that's what kids do, right? So they're like, get in the damn wheelchair, and we'll push you around, and it'll be fine. Get on your phone, and you can tweet out and stuff like that. Here's the – I was scared yesterday. I was very scared yesterday because I felt like we had lost our point guard. Um, and I don't know for how long. I mean, we still don't know for how long. It, 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 it's still the jury is still out, and I, I have my uh, I have my thoughts and opinions and predictions on it, which I'll share in a moment. And I was very very scared. I was upset. I was mad. Uh, I was like, damn, this is you know, we get our power forward hurt in the first time against Stanford. We get Dale and Terry hurt in the game against uh, Stanford in Tucson. And now this one wasn't Stanford's fault. I mean, this was Kirk Creesa running and jumping through the lane and landing on Christian Coloco's foot. But damn it, we were playing Stanford and now our point guard got hurt. And, you know, I was, I was upset and I'm like, man, you know, 
this is what I was, this is the, the you know, worst case scenario. This is what I'm thinking, you know, in my mind, because that's immediately where I go. And that's where a lot of Wildcat fans went yesterday. Worst case scenario. Oh, that's it. We're done. And then you see Kirk Reese in the, in the wheelchair and you're like, man, did he break it? You know, what is this? Okay. Then you see Kerr with a big smile on his face sitting outside the T-Mobile Center, T-Mobile Arena. Big smile on his face, thumbs up. Uh, I was like, all right, <laughs> maybe this isn't too bad. I will say this. I don't think he should play tonight. I don't think he will play tonight. And I don't, I don't think Tommy should play him. And I think if Arizona wins tonight, I don't think he should play him tomorrow either. Because you get to that championship game, you, you could just, you know, look – Roll the dice, see what happens. But you're in the championship game. You lose your point guard. At that point, whatever. The The most important thing is securing the health of your starting lineup for the run at the NCAA tourneys, which is going to start next Thursday or Friday, depending on which bracket they get put in and, and you know when they're slated to play. Because they'll be playing one of the play-in teams, right? Like they'll either you know they'll play one of the two. Uh, one of the 16 teams, 16 seeds that emerges from the play-in game. So whether they play on Tuesday and then we'll play the Wildcats on Thursday or whether they play on Wednesday, play the Wildcats on Friday. That's what will that's what'll depend on that. I, I'm kind of hoping right now that we play on Friday, to be honest with you. Sometimes I like playing on Thursday. I like being on that opening day. Uh, but it, at this point, depending on what his, what his status is for his ankle, uh, I'd almost rather prefer to take that extra day for swelling to reduce, for him to get confidence back in that ankle uh, as he's running around. Christian Coloco yesterday was a force. It started early. He had six early points in, you know, in the first, what, ten minutes of the game. He scored six points. Um, he was already establishing his dominance down low, and he finished. I, I mean, I, that was, I was so impressed with the way that he finished that game. He was, he, he was the, the irresistible force down low. He could not be stopped. There was nothing that Stanford could do to stop Christian Coloco late in that game. He was awesome. He was everything for Arizona. Dunks, he was playing on defense. He was out there screen and roll. He was running the point of the offense, essentially, where he stands at the top of the key and distributes to his guards that are swirling. You know, I mean, this is all, you know, very intense stuff and stuff for a big man who has not been playing basketball his entire life. This was just an impressive performance by Christian Coloco. And it's one of those things like, you know, my buddy texts me and he was like, see, I told you, postseason Coloco, he's going to get drafted. He's going to be, we're going to lose him because he's going to play so well in the tournament. Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. If Christian Coloco plays like a man possessed, if he plays like he did last night through the NCAA tournament, first of all, Arizona's winning the championship. If Christian Coloco plays like that, forget about it. Like Because we know we're going to get out of Ben. We know that we're going to get the glue from Dalen. We know we're going to get from Azulis. At least I'd like to see him pick his game up a little bit more. He seemed a little inconsistent uh, over the last couple of games, specifically at the free throw line if he's going to get fouled. But we know how good he is on the open floor, and his defense has improved throughout the season as well. Uh, depending on what happened with Kerr, I think he'll be fine. But you know, we got to have him out there, obviously. And the bench, you know, being quality depth, it's it's the it's the best quality depth in the country, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, with the with the three players that come immediately off the bench for Arizona, it's the best, it's the highest amount of quality depth in the country right now. If Coloco plays like that, Arizona's winning a championship. And if that gets Coloco, if that gets him a, a you know a, a a moving up into the top twenty of the NBA draft, and we lose him, then I uh, that, fine, good, I'm 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 all for it. Obviously, he's transcended himself and he's moved on to a higher a higher level, 
and it got us to a championship, and he can go on and celebrate in the NBA, and we can celebrate a championship with a banner and all that stuff. Because if he plays like he did last night, Arizona's winning the championship. There's not a team that can stop us, and I mean that. He just – he was unstoppable. He was just so dominant yesterday, and it was just – it was it was great to see. Uh, I, you know, I love seeing when, when bigs play like that and just take over games, and, you know, it's – it's going to be important that Arizona continues to play that way, and that's 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 our style. That's that's what uh, that's what Tommy Lloyd and his team does. You know, I thought it was interesting. There was uh, you know the the article that was written and and posted uh, yesterday that Tommy did an interview with uh, Mike Shashevsky on Mike Shashevsky's podcast or his you know whatever I guess that's, I'm guessing it's a podcast. Uh, and Shashevsky was heaping a ton of praise on Tommy Lloyd for the fact that, you know, they get, they average almost 20 assists per game, which is remarkable in college basketball. That's, I mean, those are NBA numbers. Like NBA teams average right around 20, 21 assists per game. That's pretty good. Suns are, the Suns last year were like 24 and a half per game, which I think was number one or number two in the league. Uh, you, You don't, you don't, you don't get production like that out of a college team. But then what Coach K was talking about is the fact that Arizona also limits their opponents to under 13 assists per game, which is a remarkable, you know, difference in how you conduct your business. And, you know, Tommy, in very Tommy Lloyd fashion, was just like, we don't even talk about assists. Like, it's just not even anything we even discuss. We don't talk numbers. We don't talk making sure that we're getting plenty of assists. We just want to play our style. We just want to play our game. And if our style and our game are are conducive to – having uh, you know a high number of assists then that's a better thing for us because assists means we're getting buckets and it, it's just, it was funny it's just very typical Tommy Lloyd like uh, we don't even talk about assists like that's not it's just a byproduct of what we do and that that shows you the quality of the coach that he is we run a system and it's successful and because it's successful we have these gaudy numbers not we're trying to attain gaudy numbers you remember like 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 watching Rick Pitino when he was at Kentucky, it was like we're going to lead the league in three-point shots. We, 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 that's our that's our goal. My goal every year is to lead the league in three-point shots, three-pointers made because we want to put pressure on other teams. And you would see Kentucky just launching threes from anywhere at any point in time in the shot clock, and it wasn't really conducive to good basketball. He just wanted to lead the league in three-pointers every single year. He wanted to put that pressure on defense. We're going to come at you shooting threes all day long. It's not great basketball, and it, I mean they had plenty of success. Of course, recruiting the top players in the world to Kentucky that certainly helps too. And Patino did teach some defense from time to time as well, but it was more of like we're going to go after the numbers. Whereas Tommy Lloyd is like, I have a system. The system when it works, when I have good players and they buy into the system and they play as a team and they have confidence in one another and they've got each other's back, then that's what leads to these gaudy assist numbers. And then on defense, you know, he's like, I really don't, you know, he goes, it's just we want to make sure that we limit easy buckets, which is everybody's philosophy, right? I mean, it's just like, okay, we want to make sure that we eliminate easy buckets. We want to make sure that we've got a rim protector waiting for a pick and roll, and we want to have a guard on the other guard's hip trying to, you know, trying to nag at the ball the entire time. We just try to make sure that we we make buckets more difficult, and we want to protect the three-point line. That's basically everybody's philosophy. (laughs) nobody says we're going to do it. We're going to give up some easy buckets, but it's fine because we'll get, we'll get some easy buckets too. We'll just trade easy bucket for easy bucket. No, no coach will ever say that. 
So I, you know, I, I thought it was it was kind of funny. It's just very, it's very much Tommy Lloyd, to, you know, to have that kind of a conversation where you, it, it seems so new to people, and it's funny to me. Like like this is nothing new. Like Tommy Lloyd didn't it isn't isn't reinventing the wheel with the way Arizona is playing. What Tommy Lloyd is, he's an extremely high quality coach with high quality players who runs a system that these players are have bought into and are content with and confident in running, and they can run it three guys, four guys deep into the bench. It's remarkable the job that he's done getting all of these individuals to play together. That's the key. College basketball, that's the key. If you can get one star player and you can get the other guys to all play as a team, you got a real good shot at cutting down the nets in April. And that's where we're at right now with Arizona. But they have more than one star. And so do other teams. You know, there are a lot of other teams out there. Kansas is a, is a great example. Auburn is another great example, although Auburn doesn't play that well as a team. Sometimes they do. Other times it's a bunch of individuals, specifically the, the, the point card that they have that gets in all kinds of trouble, turning the ball over. He's a hothead. Uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that may cost them a championship. But you look at other teams like Gonzaga, you know, that, that team plays together. They play for one another. They've got a great system installed there by Tommy Lloyd. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, it's – today's game, tonight's game, I should say, starting at 7 o'clock, they'll, play, they'll take on Colorado. Colorado feels disrespected. Okay, Tad Boyle is, is on record saying that we should be a tournament team above these others. Uh, I'm going to take a quick look here at their net because I know it's – I mean, I, I know their net isn't great. I think it's like in the mid-70s. Uh, Colorado is a net 70 right now. Okay, so they moved up a little bit. They're 1-5 in, in Q1 games, and they're 11-5 in, in Q2, Q3 games. They've made their hay against Quad 4. They're 9-0. and Congratulations, Colorado. Um, you know, the big matchups that they had this year – I don't know. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great. I mean, they they what they do? They lost they lost to Baylor, right? They lost to Baylor. Um, they lost to Southern Illinois this year. They lost to Tennessee. No, they didn't play Baylor. They were supposed to play Baylor, but they didn't. They ended up playing it because of the COVID deal. Um, but this team lost back to back home games to the LA schools. Um, they lost to both Washington schools this year. Uh, you know, sure, they're they're a, they're not a bad team. Are they better than the other teams that are that are in the tournament? I don't know. I mean, are they a twelve thirteen seed? Let's okay, because I think that's where a lot of people think that Colorado they're like a twelve thirteen seed. Okay, well let's look at the twelve thirteen seeds in the West. North Texas, they're an automatic qualifier. Okay, Vermont is a thirteen seed. You can just hand them what is it the all all Colonial Conference or whatever it's called up there. Uh, you can just hand them the championship every stinking year for that conference. They're they're far and away the best team in that in that conference without question. Then in the South, if you're looking at the South in the 12 seeds, you got Xavier and Indiana. Indiana, I believe, is better than than Colorado. Xavier is about to get their coach fired because they've lost like seven of their last nine games, and they're going to be four years consecutively outside of the dance. I don't. I don't. I don't think Xavier's getting in, personally. And then the 13th seed is the automatic qualifier who already punched their ticket, Chattanooga. Then you've got the East. You've got Wyoming and Wake Forest. Wyoming has proven themselves to be a good, solid team all year long. Wake Forest is 
kind of a uh, they've they've had some good days, they've had some bad days in the ACC. I think the ACC stinks personally. I think the I, the Pac-12 and the ACC right now are both kind of like uh, lucky to get three, lucky to get three. The 13 seed in that is Toledo. They're the automatic qualifier already, so they've punched their ticket. South Dakota State in the Midwest punched their ticket already, and Princeton is about to punch their ticket. They'll win the Ivy League far and away. They, they, at least they better. FanDuel, they'll get some money on them. <laughs> Come on, Princeton. Don't let me down. you got to win today. Um, <laughs> so where, do, where does Colorado fit in? So Colorado's got to win this thing. Like they got, they got to win this tournament. They got to win the AQ for this. So Colorado is going to come out gunning for Arizona. Is it going to be the worst thing in the world for Arizona to lose tonight? No. I, like I said, with Baylor losing last night, Arizona has all but secured that number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Outside of just absolute mayhem and stupidity happening by the committee, uh, the committee coming up on Selection Sunday, Arizona will have locked up a one seed. We'll just find out what region they're going to play in. They're going to play in the South or in the Midwest. I believe they've earned the one seed in the South, regardless of whether they win or lose tonight. Most important thing is get out of there with your health because you know you're going to the NCAA tournament. Don't mess around with Colorado. Don't let them get rough with you because Colorado's a rough team too. Evan Batty, he plays hard. Jabari Walker, he plays hard. Uh, Eli Parquet, he's a, he's a rough and tumble guard. He likes to be physical with guys, okay? Don't. Don't get into a, 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 a rock fight with these guys. You just don't want to do that because you get the target on your back. So, again, do I want Arizona to win? I Listen, I think Arizona should go in there and just pound the living snot out of Colorado and then go in tomorrow and beat whatever L.A. school is going to emerge from the late game tonight and cut down the nets and bring home a Pac-12 tournament trophy. But if that doesn't happen, I'm still okay with it. As long as they come out of this whole thing healthy, if Kerr is okay, then we, you know, things are looking good. They're looking up for the postseason tournament in the NCAAs. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. More after this right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, a couple little more things here on campus before we move over to uh, NFL and NBA to uh, finish out today's show. Some cool news coming out of the football program uh, that uh, Michael Lev reported uh, yesterday that Arizona football players have already begun to reap some of the benefits from that brand new, the, uh, the Friends of Wilbur and Wilma program, which is the name, image, and likeness program that was established at Arizona. The Friends of Wilbur and Wilma is a new program enabling supporters of U of A athletics to engage and work with student-athletes on NIL. The, uh, the, the benefits that were given of this latest iteration of the, uh, of the Wilbur and Wilma, Friends of Wilbur and Wilma pro, uh, program was more than 100 new laptops delivered to the Arizona football team during their meeting on Friday. Per the release, the laptops were procured through the Arizona Football Touchdown Club Collective, which connected the players with Athlete Assets, which is a new business that was formed to create uh, and distribute digital collectibles, or NFTs. Now, I don't know, I don't know what NFTs are. I don't know what Bitcoin is. Like, I don't know any of that stuff. Like, I, I'm, I'm completely numb to all that kind of stuff. I have no idea what any of this stuff is. But the laptops were part of the players' compensation for the NFTs, 
which Athlete Asset CEO Adam Small described as a one-of-a-kind digital collectible featuring the name, image, and likeness of every player on the football team. I did not receive anything like this. I did not uh, receive any offer to purchase any NFTs. I don't know if I would have, but I think it's pretty cool. And now they've got new laptops, 100 new laptops, over 100 new laptops for the uh, for the players, and they got to celebrate at their at their team meeting. They were very excited to be receiving these new laptops. And this is look these are these are the good things that you hear about when you talk about NIL. Um, there are some other things like the NCAA is going to start investigating this. I mean, they already have, but they're going to start looking into some of these really really big big numbers that are happening, like what we saw with Bryce Young at Alabama with his you know nearing of a million dollars. You know, uh, the uh, Quinn Ewers, the kid at uh, the quarterback at Ohio State, uh, you know, essentially being guaranteed a million dollars worth of NIL compensation for autograph sessions that he's going to be doing during his time at Ohio State. Like These are all really, really big numbers. Um, And, you know, the one thing that the NCAA wants to make sure that teams aren't doing are using NIL as leverage to recruit. And, uh, look, you knew as soon as that was – that as soon as NIL got green-lighted, that that was exactly what was going to happen. I mean, Nick Saban was at a high school, a Texas high school coaches symposium, symposium when he said that Bryce Young was going to make $900,000 in NIL uh, money this year. Tell me that that wasn't <laughs> some kind of a, a, an enticement to, to have Texas players, the top Texas players, go to, go to Alabama, sign to Alabama, because they have the opportunity to make that kind of money as well in college. So... Uh, yeah, it's being used to recruit with, but some of the uh, situations like what we saw with BYU last year where they gave all of the walk-ons a uh, scholarship, which is amazing, and uh, for Arizona to get uh, all new laptops for their football players is just awesome. Speaking of NIL, you can hang out with Sam Thomas this weekend on Selection Sunday. Uh, they've got a big week ahead of them, but Selection Sunday, they're going to have a meet-and-greet shop-and-eat with Sam Thomas. She's going to be at the uh, Trident Pizza Pub on North Campbell, just right there around the corner from the campus, on Sunday, March 13th from 5 to 7 p.m. And uh, you can uh, shop at her uh, her online store uh, at www.samthomas14.com. That's samthomas14.com. So you can uh, you can hang out and, uh, and meet Sam Thomas, and uh, she's going to be having a little post-selection Sunday meet-and-greet there at the uh, Trident Pizza Pub right there around the corner from campus on North Campbell. So go visit, uh, go visit Sam. She is a, uh, a look, you know, she gave up, a, you know, a year of going into the pros to play for one more season for Adia Barnes and the Arizona Wildcats. She's one of the most likable people on campus. I, Sam Thomas is, she lights up a room. Um, and uh, so if you want to go uh, hang out with her and go meet her, you can do that on Sunday, following the selection Sunday for the Arizona men's and women's basketball teams. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. Another big trade in the NFL yesterday, sending an edge rusher into the AFC West, which continues to load up on talent. We'll talk about that and the Suns' return home for a weekend slate of games as well. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, the AFC West continues to uh, add more talent, this time on the defensive side, as the Chicago Bears are in the in the uh, the works of finalizing a deal that will send 
six-time Pro Bowl defensive end Khalil Mack to the Los Angeles Chargers, as reported by ESPN's Adam Schefter uh, yesterday afternoon. The Chargers are expected to send a second-round pick in the upcoming draft and a sixth-round pick in the 2023 draft for the 31-year-old six-time Pro Bowler. Six-time Pro Bowler, former Defensive Player of the Year. A second-rounder and a six-rounder? Ooh. Man. Okay, well, I guess that's the market. Now he gets to go back and play for his old coach. Uh, Brandon Staley was the linebacker's coach for, I think, a year or two with the with the Bears uh, and uh, while Khalil Mack was there. So he'll get to go back and be reunited with a coach that he is familiar with. And uh, the, the AFC West adds another pass rusher. That, that Charger pass rush is <laughs> – Joey Bosa and uh, and Ryan, uh, Khalil Mack, that, that's, that's a pretty fearsome tandem right there. That AFC West, man, they're loading up. It, look, I, I don't think teams are done either. I think, I think teams are going to continue to load up. I think teams saw what you could do when the Los Angeles Rams, when they you know went out and got uh, some guys that you know have proven that they can play in the past and are going to continue to prove that they can play in a system where they don't have to be the superstar, the number one guy, I think it's a great move for the Chargers, personally. I don't know so much about the Bears. I don't know what the Bears are doing. They didn't tag Allen Robinson. They're most likely going to lose Allen Robinson, their wide receiver. Now they trade away Khalil Mack for a second-rounder and a six-rounder next year. I don't know what the Bears are doing. Of course, you know, brand-new GM there. He wants to play with his new toys, Ryan Poles, the new uh, the new GM there for the for the Chicago Bears. So, Dealing away Khalil Mack, probably not sitting well with the Bears fans uh, today. But uh, nonetheless, Bears will uh, be trying to pack up on some draft picks, and maybe that's where Ryan Poles thinks he's going to make his hay. Maybe he believes that he really knows the the NFL draft. He knows his college scouting, and maybe that's where he's where he's going to uh, to try to make a difference in that roster. So, um, free agency going to be. Interesting here in the NFL. Of course, we talked with with Tyler Drake earlier this week about what the Cardinals are going to be doing in free agency. You know, Bobby Wagner was released by the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, there was news that all three of the NFC West teams would be interested. However, a report from a a Cardinals insider, not Tyler Drake, but somebody who works with Tyler, uh, reported that the Cardinals are not interested in Bobby Wagner. So, that leaves essentially the 49ers and the Rams, uh, the two teams in the division that are interested in the services of one Bobby Wagner. Certainly, the 49ers are. I can I can guarantee you that they're interested. Um, that's a it's a good fit for the 49ers, especially with the amount of injuries that they've had on that side of the ball over the last couple of years. Adding a guy like Bobby Wagner would be huge. Um, where, you know, where do Taron Armstead, the the left tackle, the, the the really good left tackle from the Saints, who's who's now a free agent, where does he end up? J.C. Jackson, who might be the best free agent available right now, the corner from uh, from New England who didn't get locked up. He's now a uh, a free agent. Uh, Chandler Jones, obviously extremely talented. When he shows up to play, he's a force. However, the guy takes entire games off. Like, you know, you hear about people, oh, he, takes, he takes plays off, he likes to take plays off. People, hear, people would say that about Randy Moss all the time, right? But Randy Moss didn't take entire games off. Chandler Jones takes, like, entire months off of the NFL season, like, in the middle of the season. I, I think I, I just I can't, I can't jibe with a player like that. Like, I, I would never have a player like that on my team. 
regardless of how talented they are. You have five sacks in the game. Congratulations. You made 11 tackles in a 10-game in a span of time. Total. <laughs> I, I can't do that. There's just – you can't – you can't justify to me that I should pay you $55 million or whatever it is when you literally had a 10-game span of games this year where you had 11 total tackles and one-and-a-half sacks. Like, no thanks. Go find it somewhere else. Find another chump to, to give you that money. I'm not doing it. And the Cardinals, I think, did the exact same thing. They didn't tag him. They didn't offer him a new deal. He's gone. So it'll be on somebody else to, uh, to deal with what Chandler Jones is going to bring. And, again, if, if he's a guy that, that has bought in and he's, he's focused, he is he's an athletic freak. Like, he's so good at what he does. But, God, if you only play seven games out of a 17-game season, but yet you're available for all 17 of those games, you're not injured, you're just, you're just not playing, forget about it. Like, no thanks. I'm not, I'm not here for that. So – the NFL is uh, going to have an interesting, uh, an interesting free agent system. You know, season or the you know, the, the the off season here is going to be really interesting when it comes to free agency. Uh, I'll also be sharing, you know, my essentially my top ten for the uh, for the NFL draft. I mean, just looking, just real quick here. If you're if you're interested in you know who some of the top players are, there's some there's a lot of players in the trenches that are going to be drafted early on. There's going to be probably three offensive tackles taken in the first 10 picks and anywhere upwards of four defensive linemen taken in the top 10 picks. That leaves three spots for everybody else. There's going to be a corner taken. Probably Sauce Gardner will be taken in there somewhere. I think Kyle Hamilton, just based on the fact that he's just good at everything he does, the safety from Notre Dame, I think he'll find a way into the top 10 and I think we'll have some kind of a surprise somewhere. Either a team will jump up to grab a quarterback that doesn't belong in the top ten, or, and this is what I think, I think the Falcons are going to draft Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State, with the number seven overall pick. It may be a little bit ahead of where he's projected to be or slated to be in this particular draft, but the Falcons need weapons. Like, they go, (laughs) they they ain't got much more. Calvin Ridley, he gone, right? You know, Julio Jones obviously gone. Uh, they've got, you know, they got Kyle Pitts, who they drafted last year, and he's spectacular. But they need to go out and get themselves some more weapons. <clears throat> Pardon me. Because if they're going to continue to pay, I mean, I think Matt Ryan has the highest cap hit of any player in the NFL for the 2022 season, like $47 million. Obviously, they're going to have to rework a deal. They can't go into the NFL season expecting to pay their quarterback $47 million and not have any targets for him to throw the football to. So they're going to figure that out too. But I, I think, I mean, they're, they're definitely guaranteed to draft some type of wide receiver. I'm guessing it'll be Garrett Wilson, who I think is the best wide receiver in this draft. So um, if you're looking, like, I think the Jags are going to go offensive tackle. I think they'll go with the kid from NC State, Akonwu. Um, I think that's where he'll go. I know that Aiden Hutchinson, he has projected really high. He may not be, I, I guess, the athletic wonderkind that uh, you know some of the other guys are, but I think the Lions like him enough as a solid player. I think they'll take him number two overall. I think the Texans are in love with Kayvon Thibodeau, and there's a lot to like about Kayvon Thibodeau. He's obviously he, he's an athletic freak, but uh, I, again, another guy that I question whether or not he's all in on every play, so to speak. 
And then uh, Trayvon Walker, the defensive end from Georgia. I think the Jets the Jets are going to go defense. They've got Robert Sala there. I think they're going to go defense at least once, probably twice. I think I have the Jets actually drafting Kyle Hamilton, number 10 overall, uh, in, my, in my little mock, early mock draft. I have the New York Giants drafting Evan Neal, the, the massive offensive tackle from Alabama with number five overall. I have the Panthers taking Charles Cross, uh, the, the very talented and skilled offensive tackle from Mississippi State. I have the Giants then again at the seventh spot taking Sauce Gardner, the, the corner from Cincinnati, who has ridiculous numbers in college. Like, the numbers, his, like, his statistics in college of like, never giving up a touchdown in 1,038 passing plays is ridiculous. <laughs> like that's just sick. Like, and then he went to the and then he went to the combine and performed well there as well. His athleticism was good enough. Um, he's worked himself into a top a top ten pick. The Falcons, I think, will take Garrett Wilson, number eight overall wide receiver from Ohio State. And I think the uh, the Broncos, who are now sitting with a wealth of talent and they have a number nine pick overall, they could go just about anywhere. I think they they need an edge rusher there now to kind of combat everything that's going on in the AFC West. The Chargers went out and got Khalil Mack. I think that the the Broncos will go ahead and use theirs. If they don't bring Von Miller back, I think they'll use their draft pick on a guy like a like a Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, who's just a just a, a pin your ears back edge rusher kind of guy uh, with a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed, and can be worked with. You know that defense is good enough to where they'll have time to work in guys like that. Maybe take a reach on a guy who has sick athleticism, but maybe is uh, is not as skilled right now as you'd like him to be. But you can take a flyer on a guy like that if, if you're the Denver Broncos who already have a really solid defense and are going to have a solid offense now that they have Russell Wilson slinging the football for them. So uh, the NFL season continues to roll on. And, again, we will talk NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. That is my promise to you um, as, as, we, you know, as we move forward. I heard, I heard yesterday there was like some talking heads, and they were like, there's only three teams in the NFC who would even be considered – uh, a, a favorite. I don't even want to say a favorite, but you know, like a real contender to win the Super Bowl. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's let's hear them. You know, and I I still think that teams that people are sleeping on how good the 49ers are going to be next year. You know, what happens with Trey Lance remains to be seen. I tend to trust the eyes of Kyle Shanahan when it comes to quarterback play. He's gotten more out of his quarterbacks over the last decade than just about anyone else in the in the league not named Andy Reid, right? Because, you know, as, as talented as Patrick Mahomes is, he still has some some issues, and Andy Reid needed to, to uh, develop him, and he did a phenomenal job doing that. And I think when it comes to quarterbacks, if Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid tell me they can play, then I believe that they can play. And Kyle Shanahan has full, I mean, at least outwardly to the media he does, has full confidence in Trey Lance to come in and run that offense and be the starter from day one. They signed Nate Sudfield yesterday. That tells you everything you know about what's going to be happening with the the quarterback room in San Francisco. It's Trey Lance and a bunch of backups because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be traded. Just to whom he gets traded is the question that is, that is now, uh, that is now waiting to be, to be answered. I still think it should be Pittsburgh, but now that Indianapolis has traded away Carson Wentz, they're certainly in the market for a quarterback and there are a couple other teams out there in the market for a quarterback, and there could be a surprise. Maybe a team like Miami, who's just sick and tired of having to carry a guy like Tua through an entire game, through an entire season. Maybe they go out and, and try to get a guy like a Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. 
but uh, it'll happen over the next week or two. I, I, I can I can tell you that. And we're getting real close to the draft, which is always super exciting. It's like Christmas Day for me. So super excited about that. All right. When we return, I'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Phoenix Suns, we are your home, of course, for the Phoenix Suns. Your Tucson home for the Phoenix Suns. They're going to be taking on the Toronto Raptors tonight and then taking on the Lakers on Sunday before going back on the road again uh, the Suns, with only 16 games remaining in the regular season, have already locked up a playoff spot. And by virtue of kind of everything that's happening in the West right now, I would say they're a lock to get the one seed. <coughs> pardon me, in the Western Conference uh, playoffs as well. So things going well for the Suns. They got Devin Booker back. They're still waiting. You know, CP3 is still going to be you know about four weeks out as far as uh, his return to the uh, to the lineup. But they continue to win. They continue to be able to score points even without Chris Paul. And, of course, defensively, they're fantastic. So should be a good one tonight at the uh, the Footprint Center. Suns taking on the Raptors. You can hear that here on ESPN Tucson. The the Wildcats, of course, the number one seed in Vegas right now, taking on the four-seed Colorado. We all know what Colorado does well. They rebound. They, that's, that's, how they, that's how they go about their business. They play good defense and they rebound. Um, they're not going to be – spectacular on offense, although Jabari Walker was remarkable in the game against Oregon. So was Evan Batty. Evan Batty was really good. Evan Batty had a double-double. He had 19 and 12. Jabari Walker had 18 and 16 in that game. He was 2 of 5 from beyond the arc. Uh, And Colorado shot a lot of threes in that game. Oregon likes to kind of pack the lane. They got some lazy lazy players out there, and, and Colorado really dominated that game. The score... I know Oregon kind of tried to keep it close. They did They did a pretty good job of shooting threes in that game, actually. Uh, Gary Air was uh, 4 of 10 from beyond the arc. But, uh, you know, Colorado really kind of controlled that game from the beginning. They had a six-point lead at halftime, ended up winning by 11. The game wasn't really as close as, as indicated by that score. So Colorado's going to be a, a, a tough test. And, look, they're a team that is playing for respect, playing for the, the opportunity to play in the postseason tournament. And, there are guys on that team that are not going to be on Colorado's roster next year that want to finish strong. I mean, guys like Evan Batty, guys like Eli Parquet, who are, uh, you know, are going to be, you know, leaving and moving on after this season is over. So, uh, and maybe even Jabari Walker too, for that matter. So, they're going to be playing for a lot of pride. They've got, um, you know, they've got their 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 work cut out for them in Arizona. They did get a 16 point win, so they've got some confidence. Though, uh, you know, they got that 16-point win against the Cats in Boulder, and it looks like Kirk Carissa probably will not play, most likely will not play if, uh, you know, if they're, if they're smart. They, they, they'll, I, I wouldn't play him, but that's just me. Uh, you know, depending on how, how bad it is, I'd like to just see him rest. And, again, um, at this point, you just don't want to get anybody else hurt. So uh, it'll be a tough game tonight. But that game's on at 7 o'clock. It'll be at the Pac-12 Networks, of course, from the T-Mobile Arena. And the uh, the Wildcat fans will be in full force. It's funny to read Twitter every every time this year, except for last year, of course, because uh, the Wildcats weren't there because of the, the self-imposed sanctions of uh, postseason play. It's so funny to read the tweets from fans of other teams. 
<laughs> that are in Vegas. They're like, these Arizona fans won't shut up. It's not, they're not even playing, and they're all here. Yep, deal with it. Vegas is our house. That's our town, okay? That's, that's McHale North. You should know this by now. <laughs> I love it, man. Wildcat fans, I love it. It's the best. I, I already can't wait till next season. Like next season is going to be lit. And we already got. We already know who we're playing in the uh, in the conference games in December. We don't have to play at Colorado next year, which we found out, which is going to be great. Don't have to play in Boulder. Thank God. Hate that place. Won there like two times in the last ten years. All right, that is going to wrap up today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Congratulations to Ray Holbrook. He was the winner of our Sammy Hagar tickets. And, of course, thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air here. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in here to ESPN Tucson's Jeff Dean Show at weekdays from 7 to 9. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy some basketball. And I will see you guys again on Monday for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back Monday morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.